I started out in this part of the business more like a virtual assistant, so helping people with anything online really, administration-wise, with the goal of being able to work from anywhere and travel and not have a one set location for work. Welcome to a new episode of Most Memorable Journeys. My guest today is somebody that I feel that like I've known her for years, but we've never actually met in real life. And she is miles away from me. It's my morning that we are recording this episode. She's done a whole day's work. It's her evening. She is in New Zealand and I know her as a world traveler. I also look at her like uh, she's a snowbird. She leaves when it gets cold and she comes back when it gets warm again. She also is a business owner and she ha is the example of it really being possible remotely, which, you know, that you can actually uh, be a, a traveling um, business owner and have a good time. And I want to welcome to Most Memorable Journeys, Kate McGregor. Thank you so much. It's so nice to speak to you in person, although I can't hug you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll and do I, that one I, day. Ho hopefully yeah. we'll do that one day. Absolutely, in an airport somewhere. <laughs> and I, I'm the same. I feel like I do know you from uh, listening to your podcast and, and following your story as well along the way, um, mostly over obviously the last couple of years since you launched your podcast as well. Wonderful. So let's start with the famous question. When were you on a plane for the first time? Woo. Um, as a child, we used to go to Australia on family holidays. Um, back then, we would go and visit family in Australia and it was actually for a lot of New Zealanders, it was a lot cheaper to fly to Australia than to fly between the islands in New Zealand, the domestic flights, because um, we just had one airline in New Zealand. And so there was no monopoly and it was very expensive. So yeah, we used to fly to Australia probably every couple of years and visit family. Nice. It's Air New Zealand, isn't it? Does it still exist? Yeah. Air New Zealand's our main airline in New Zealand now. We also have um, one other domestic airline as well, a cheap airline, Jetstar. And then um, we have a lot of international airlines obviously coming into New Zealand as well. So the Australian airline Qantas and yeah, a lot of others, especially now they're all starting to come back, which is exciting. And, and the visitors are all starting to come back to New Zealand, which is so nice to see. Yeah, I do want to talk. I mean, I want to talk about your trips, but I also want to talk about New Zealand a little bit because I've been to New Zealand, listen to this, for one week. And I did all of New Zealand in one week because I used to accompany Ooh. a tour called, uh, it was a, like an Australia round trip, which was right. a three weeks tour. And then when we had more than 10 people going on to uh, New Zealand, we accompanied it. And I was on one of those trips, but it was like, it's like a blur. The only thing that I do remember, you know what I remember? I was on this bridge in Queenstown when they started bungee jumping. It had just started. <laughs> and I really thought these people are crazy. Right? That's still happening. That's still the same bridge where they jump off every every day, hundreds of tourists. <laughs> but I think it was kind of invented there, wasn't it? Yeah, that's the original one as well. Yeah, AJ Hackett is a New Zealander who invented that. Bungee jumping, you could do it in a, a few different places through New Zealand. I have not done it. Not for me. Crazy. So Australia, <laughs> yeah. you went to Australia, um, which is kind of your, they are your most friendly neighbours, I would say. Um, you have a good uh, yeah. connection with the Australians. Do you still go to Australia a lot? Yeah. Um, I Not to visit so much. I mean, a lot of the international flights out of New Zealand fly via Australia a lot of the time. Um, I've just recently been away this 
uh, this year and I flew via Sydney up up to um, America. So yeah, um, I haven't been to Australia to actually see Australia properly and I definitely haven't seen all of Australia. So uh, there's still a lot more to see closer to home here for me. And it's about a three or four hour flight for us from New Zealand to Australia. So it's our closest place to go internationally, <laughs> but not not too many differences. It's not, not a huge culture shock for us or anything like that. And a lot of New Zealanders do have family in Australia. So there's a big, um, yeah, that became a huge thing during the pandemic, actually. And the borders were opening and closing between New Zealand and Australia and people were getting stuck in the wrong countries. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny though. I mean, when you think of it for us here in Europe, a four hours flight is already quite far. And for you, it's really the closest place that you can go to. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember I I follow you on, I I, I stalk you because I love what you do. (laughs) And um, your last uh, big trip that you were on was in Central America, right? That's right. Yeah. I just spent five months in Nicaragua. And when I travel now, I like to travel for, I go away for winter each year, away from New Zealand. That's my snowboarding. And I choose a different country each time so that I can continue to travel and see new places. Um, And I tend to stick to one or two countries over that period. So I was away for five months this time. Um, Yeah. And I spent the whole time in Nicaragua, um, which was amazing. So So you're not a a country counter. You are somebody who wants to go deeper. You want to see the country. I, I used to be. When I was younger, I did. Um, I lived in London for 10 years and I actually worked as a tour guide as well around Europe. So um, definitely I was a country counter then because I could and because it was so easy to rack up the countries from living in London, close to Europe and things. Um, but yeah, I've lost count now and I would say I'm around 80 countries, but yeah, I don't travel to collect the the country ticks anymore. I um, travel to see different cultures and sort of immerse myself in the local, get to know the local community and how people live and work. And in saying that, you know, I live with other expats in the community as well. So yeah, but you still are, you want to know about a culture, you want to know about a country, you want to, as I said before, go a little deeper and find out how people tick. Yeah, yeah, just yeah, how the day goes, how people learn earn their living in these countries, how they live, the school systems, um, attempts to learn the language, <laughs> eat the food. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, and I I uh, always say that, or very often say that. I am sure that you probably agree with me that at the end of the day, you realize then when you go deeper and when you get to meet people that we are all the same. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and this trip, um was I think extra special because post-pandemic it was the first time obviously in two years or more that any of us had traveled and I travel alone but um, just meeting other travelers as well that you know the world had just started to unbloom and people were starting to come out uh, come out again and travel and then just hearing everyone's experiences of the last two years as well and how each country had uh, experienced the pandemic and how individuals had experienced it and what their thoughts were now and why they were traveling now potentially for different reasons to what they originally did and um yeah so that was extra special I think on this this trip um because I think quick enough things will go back to normal in the travel industry and um people might forget that actually you know the special couple of couple of years we've just had yeah I think it's going very fast planes are very full and airports are very full and Many people are a little overwhelmed, but have you had a bad experience at all with uh, overfilled airports or or did everything go well? No, I have had one, only one actually, of all the zillions of flights I've ever taken. Um, 
uh, one particular trip where I was living in London at the time and a group of uh, group of us four girls uh, decided to go to Thailand for Christmas and New Year's, which was a long way to go from London and uh, especially when three of us were from New Zealand. So it was a long way to go to Thailand and not go home to New Zealand um, for three uh, three weeks we went. This was uh, back in the day before you, you still checked in at the airport a lot earlier, but you didn't have to do the reconfirmation. So years ago, you know, you had to reconfirm your flights before you flew. <laughs> uh, we didn't have to do that. But when we got to Bangkok Airport to fly back to London, the airline told us that we hadn't reconfirmed and therefore they couldn't take us all the way through to London. And we would have to sign a waiver to say that um, they could take us. This was Royal Jordanian. So they could take us to Oman, um, but they couldn't take us any further. And that we had to sign a waiver to say we would make our own way to London. It was New Year's Day and uh, we had three teachers with us that needed to get back to London for work. So we uh, signed the waiver and just crossed our fingers that we might get on the next flight. And we ended up spending a night in Oman Airport. But once we got to Oman, we realized pretty quickly that what had happened and there were a lot of other people on our flight that they had overbooked the flight um, on purpose. They allowed, um, rightly so, families with children and things to get on that next flight to London. And we spent a night overnight in the airport, um, which wasn't overly bad, except for we were four girls just wearing singlets and shorts and nothing else in a country that is fairly covered up. In a, <laughs> so that was a little bit awkward. And my friend in the night in the hotel tripped over the corner of her bed and smacked her face <sighs> on the bedside table and uh, and then proceeded to pass out on the plane the next day. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> yeah, and then we got to London and it was snowing and the conveyor belts had broken down at Heathrow Airport, so we waited another three hours for our bags at Heathrow wearing flip-flops and oh my <laughs> <in> the <God>. snow. <laughs> yeah, so that was a, a great story to tell now. <laughs> at the time, it was a big adventure. But it is only... I think it's the only airline disaster I've had. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Overbooks. It. I rem- at good old times when I was a tour guide, I remember, especially here in Cyprus, Cyprus Airways used to overbook flights, but they were mm. generous. You know, they would like see when it wasn't many people, they would upgrade the ones that, uh, you know, that, yeah. that we built. And I remember us tour guides. It was my biggest joy to actually go and find somebody <laughs> and go and tell them you have been upgraded in business class. Yeah. And I always, we used to pick them out by the way they were dressed. Yeah, right. Exactly. And that's what the airlines do too, I believe. So. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. We used to get delayed quite a lot flying when I was a tour guide, um, flying back from Spain to London. Um, those, those, Flights always used to get delayed, but um, sometimes overnight. But that was kind of became the expected thing. So <laughs> it's funny, though, isn't it? How the world has changed and how much we know now. And you know, I, I remember one flight when I was very, very young. I wasn't a tour guide yet. My flight from Rhodes to Zurich was twenty-four hours delayed, and Ooh. it was because there was fog. We couldn't, you know, in the time, they didn't have those systems yet at the time. Airplanes couldn't land when when it was foggy. And um, and nobody complained. I mean, of course, people were, I don't know, they were a little annoyed, but there was no lawyer mentioned or there was no legal action mentioned, (laughs) I remember. Now, the first thing that I hear when something happens, my uh, favorite thing to say to these people, when especially when it's a technical, or sometimes you don't know why a a flight is delayed. And I always say, you know, I prefer prefer to be a little late but to be safe and that yeah. all shuts them up you know? yeah yeah I've heard that before as well yeah that's a that's a good line yeah I've been delayed in Zurich airport before as well actually just remembered that on a Christmas trip we got delayed for 12 hours and 
it would have been fine, but we um, we had a lot of very drunk passengers by the time we got on the next flight. <laughs> well, that's the best hours in Zurich Airport. <laughs> yeah. What else is there to do? You just start. Yeah. <laughs> so, Kate, tell me. I mean, it's a little of a silly question that uh, I ask people. Do you have a favorite part of the world? It's just, you know. Do you have one? Oh, it's such a hard question. I um, know. I mean, I guess what comes straight to mind for me are some really special trips that, and there are places that I guess are so special that I've actually never made it back to, and I would love to one day. But um, because I like to see new places all the time, I haven't. Africa, and I know that's not a country, but like yeah. Africa, the whole continent, a uh, very special place. Um, I spent three months on an overland tour through Africa, camping a long time ago now. And um, yeah, my favorite city that I would consider living or, uh, revisiting and having a lot more time in is um Valencia in Spain that's amazing how interesting yes I've spent a lot of time there when I worked as a tour guide and it's just I love it it's such a beautiful city and it's been developed over the years so so nicely as well so um but yeah I haven't been back there for more than 10 years now so wow I want to talk about that uh, overland trip to Africa which three months yeah 77 day tour it was and where did uh, you start uh, we started in uh, in Kenya, in Nairobi, flew out yeah. on Boxing Day from London to Kenya. The The first part of my trip was a loop that went northwards up to see the mountain gorillas. Um, and then we came back to Nairobi and then picked up some more people and carried on. So we went down through Tanzania, the Serengeti, Malawi, Zambia, Zimbabwe, and then across Botswana, Namibia, and down to South Africa and finished in Cape Town. That sounds amazing. <laughs> that sounds absolutely amazing. And um, was it accompanied? Was it like a, a was yeah. it Yeah, an overland company called um, Absolute Africa, who are still yeah. in business. Yeah. They're owned by a, um, a, an Australian lady and a British man who live in London, I think, still at the moment. Um, I actually did the tour. And then when I came back to London, I started working for them in their office. So I learned a whole lot more about that company and how it'll work behind the scenes. Fascinating overland touring like that is, yeah, is you start different to any kind of tour <laughs> you see things that's when you really see things it's not like my like my one week in New Zealand <laughs> yeah 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 and camping you know we were camping and cooking our meals all together and yeah I think that helps to see a lot more than what you usually would and I yeah. don't think it's actually really that of course you could do it but it's it's not hugely possible for most people to travel that route on their own without a tour company. So um, you would spend a lot of money in bribes at the borders. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It, it makes it easier when you go. It, but it always makes it easier, really, when you go with somebody who knows. And that's why it's also always good to become friends with somebody from the place that you go to. Yeah, yeah. And and even if we didn't, I mean, we did meet some people along the way that we've kept in touch with. This was around the time just before Facebook maybe started. So, so you know, obviously keeping in touch with people from your tour is a lot easier now. But I am definitely still in touch with a lot of them. We had um, international people on, a, on our tour, about 20 in total. And we just had a reunion a couple of years ago, actually, because a lot of us live in New Zealand now. So, yeah, it was a special time, special trip. Yeah. Have you been to North Africa? Have you visited Tunisia or Morocco or any of these? Uh, I've been to, yeah, one or two places, not on tours, just, yeah, I've been to Morocco and Egypt. Yeah. yeah. It is a very, very special continent and I think very, very underestimated. There is so, so much beauty in Africa. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. So much to see. So much beauty in the world. Some, you know, you don't know where to start really. And, and, um, yeah. 
that's why I know that this question, what is your favorite place? It's a, <laughs> a, a stupid question, but there are, you know, some people can really say it. This is my place. I can't say it. I don't know which one yeah. I could, but basically if I could, I'd just be traveling all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's favorite for different reasons. Right. So, um, and also whatever's top of mind, I was just speaking to somebody who's going to the Maldives and my memory of the Maldives came up and I was like, oh yeah, that's a beautiful place. Like picture, you know, like a postcard everywhere you look. Well. Don't speak to me about the Maldives because I've heard your story about the Maldives, actually. <laughs> yeah. I was there I, for five months. Five yeah. months on an island where you can walk around in 10 minutes. It's very, yeah. very beautiful, but you've seen the beauty after about 10 days. Yeah, yeah. So I stayed on an island like that, but for one week, you know. Yeah. So I, I can imagine <laughs> that your perception of the Maldives and mine is very different. That's why everyone has different it, places, I guess. <laughs> it was a very interesting experience, of course. And and if you know, it's funny because at the time I was 25 years old. Today, if I went there first, especially also with the internet, I could stay for five months without a problem at all. But uh, yeah. you know, it's a learning life is a learning process. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I've just been to a little small island actually in uh, off, on the Caribbean coast of Nicaragua while I was there. There's some uh, small islands called the Corner Islands. And they're very um, underdeveloped, tiny little Caribbean islands where the people there work in the fishing industry and diving. And there's not really any internet. There's only electricity from, from one o'clock in the afternoon through till six o'clock in the morning. And yeah, so like I... It was a real holiday switch off, no internet while I was there, which was lovely. Um, but I think you forget how much you rely on the internet. Oh. <laughs> um, you know, so one week was fine there as well for me. Probably could have done two weeks, but that, yeah. yeah. It's a disease, isn't it? It really is. <laughs> it is. My hand automatically goes to that phone totally yeah. unnecessarily most of the time. But yeah, well, yeah. Now, let's talk a little bit about your work because you are an online um, entrepreneur. How does, what do you do? How does it work? Yeah, I work, uh, I help people with, to build online courses and websites. Um, so on other entrepreneurs who are building a, uh, teaching other people anything, whatever's their specialty, um, I help them to pull that all together into the online space and have a website and an email set up and, and their online course with all the automations and technical side of it as well. So yeah, so I can do that all online from my laptop, which is what I did while I was just away. Uh, on this five-month trip. Yeah, that's been a journey. I started out in this part of the business more like a virtual assistant, so helping people with anything online, really, administration-wise, with the goal of being able to work from anywhere and travel and not have a one-set location for work. Yeah, so I've just been exploring that over five years, really, um, and finally kind of had hit my niche and, and figured it out and was able to go full-time into that business. Because I'm a coach and an NLP practitioner. It doesn't have to be coaching or anything like that. It could be anything that you want to teach, anything that you want to pass on. If you are, a, I don't know, a photographer or if you are a, um, I don't know, give me an example. All sorts. Um, I help people, like lots of yoga teachers. Um, just trying to think of all my clients now. Today I spoke with a lady who helps people to use horses for therapy. So like mm -hmm. trains people using horses for therapy. I've worked with midwives who uh, teach empowered birthing techniques mums and babies, like um, birth <laughs> birth videos, uh, online courses. Um, yeah, all sorts. Yeah, people and can teach anything. people then can, they will, because of what they, because of the fact that they will go online, they can also, they are not bound to a, 
place anymore. They can also like travel around. Yeah, I think that's the goal for most people. Um, yeah. yeah, is either to travel or just have more flexibility in their life. And earning money for their value that they have, because I think a lot of people give a lot away for free as well. Um, I know, do. Realize, yeah, I think we all do by nature, <laughs> but um, realizing that they can monetize in, in the nicest way possible. Um, right. Because a lot of people spend a lot of time on social media and on YouTube, um, you know, trying to build audiences and they're not getting paid there. Not many people are getting paid there. You know, people are dancing around doing reels on social media and, um, And not a lot of them are getting paid for that either, but that is what a lot of people are hoping for and trying to do. Uh, whereas having something like what I help people with, uh, you're directly uh, earning an income from whatever it is, the value that you're providing. What if somebody already has a, What if somebody already has a website? What if somebody already has a couple of courses? Can that be integrated? Oh, yeah, yeah. So we can move everything into. So I work on a platform called Kajabi, which allows people to host everything in one place but but it also um integrates with other platforms as well yeah. yeah so so people can take it in stages move things over in stages yeah so uh, for those people who are listening and who are interested we are going to put the links to kachabi and of course also to kate mcgregor in the show notes <laughs> and uh, you can get in touch with her because i think she is a good example of how it's done Because um, I I watch you and I admire you. This this independence, the way you go, it's fantastic. Now, a, a, a question: How did you feel during COVID, during the pandemic? Uh, yeah. Um, Or a little... another question: Were you you had just let me think? It started in March, so that was you. Were you about to go somewhere? No, I actually returned from the year before I re late 2019, I returned from Malaysia. I'd been in Southeast Asia for winter and I returned and I had actually decided that I probably wasn't going to go away next winter. I just wanted to settle for a while. Um, I moved back to my home city where I'm originally from and actually just wanted to focus on my business. I actually wanted to build that up and, um, get it go get it, the momentum on it before I would then go off traveling again. So I had decided. So when when COVID rolled around and New Zealand shut its border, borders and we had our first lockdown in March 2020, I was okay. I was fine about the non-travel because I wasn't <laughs> planning to go anywhere. Um and actually for me it was a bit of a relief. It was a a slowdown, I think for a lot of people, the break that people needed. Yeah, partway through the year, I guess. Uh that was the first lockdown for us was one month. And then, um, and then we, I'm in the South Island of New Zealand. So we didn't get hit so hard with COVID. The North Island has had a lot more lockdowns than us. Yeah. And so we had another whole year and then we went back into lockdown in August, 2021. And by that stage, I was full-time in my own business. So not a lot changed day to day for me then. I, could, I was still working from home. I guess the only thing was I was restricted to just going for walks around the neighborhood and not being able to meet friends for coffee and lunches and Actually, by that stage, I was starting to go to co-working spaces and maybe visit other towns in New Zealand because I could and carry on working. So, yeah, that one was a little bit different for me. Um, and then by that stage, I was like, okay, it's time now. Like, I'm ready to travel. So let's open the borders. <laughs> yeah, and I've seen I've seen pictures of your neighborhood and your walks, and it how beautiful. I mean, it is. Many people say, you know, I'm originally from Switzerland and there's a lot of similarities between yes. New Zealand and Switzerland when it comes to yeah. the natural beauty. 
I think so, yeah. And actually, it's one thing I'm very grateful for is uh, having been locked down in New Zealand uh, or during pandemic being in New Zealand because of the way I travel, I actually could have been anywhere in the world when that happened. And and we, uh, my friends and I made the most of that too because, uh, as you know, New Zealand is full of international visitors at the best of times. So although we have this beautiful country, a lot of us take it for granted and don't see all of our own country before we leave to go see the rest of the world. And that's certainly the case for me. I hadn't seen all of New Zealand. So during the pandemic, uh, friends and I would go away for weekend trips. Um, I went to the Milford Sound, which is one of the most visited places in New Zealand. I've been and, there in my week. Right, in your week <laughs> that you visited. Yes. Well, we went there, we drove there, and we did not see one other car on that road. And when we got wow. there, there was like no no buses, no nothing. In the boat that we went on, there were seven other people. And we think that they were just part of the tour guide company. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that, I mean, so grateful to be able to experience places like that with no overrun tourism and, and, um, things. Yeah. And also, uh, the tourism industry was very good to New Zealanders during that time and gave discounts and things as well. So yeah, there's still a couple more things to see in New Zealand, but we definitely ticked a few off while we were waiting for the borders to open. Absolutely amazing. I mean, I I know, as I said, it's definitely a place that I want to go back to because in that week, I just got a tiny taste of what could be, but it's far. You see, this is the thing. And I, you guys are far away. And um, that's why I also know that when you go somewhere, you go for for a bit. You don't just go for two, three days because it's a very long flight (laughs) to go somewhere. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it is. That's that is part of the reason I go for so long when I go somewhere. It's get that flight out of the way and stay for a while. Make it worth it. Yeah, the flight that I just took up to Nicaragua, I flew directly, not directly, but like all the way through Christchurch to Sydney, Sydney to Los Angeles. I had a bit of a, a stopover in Los Angeles for a few hours, and then uh, flew into Liberia Airport in Costa Rica and stayed one night, and then crossed the border the next day into Nicaragua. Uh, and that all the way, the flight all the way through up to Costa Rica, I had been traveling for 40 hours and I didn't sleep on those flights. Yeah. <laughs> are you not a good, nah. I'm not a good sleeper on planes. Are you not? No, not really. No, no. And it's not funny all, because so. I mean, you know, people, I I was a, a tour guide for 11 years worldwide and people would, you know, they think, oh, you must be you must be fine. I'm not fine. And I, I had, a, I had one, I came back from California once to Switzerland for a couple of days, and then I had to go to Singapore. And that was a lot. That was a very long difference, long time difference. And I remember waking up in Singapore in the morning and I just couldn't stand up. I was feeling dizzy. So I had to crawl oh. to the bathroom and put some oh water in <laughs> yeah, it's very hard, very hard on the body. I don't know how those flight attendants do it, but yeah, no, I've never, I'm not a nervous traveler at all. I'm not scared to fly or anything, but I just, I'm not comfortable enough to sleep on an airplane. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know it's, it's, I, I always say that um, I turned 62 years ago and I always said after 60, I'm only going to start flying business class, but I need to monetize my podcast more. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> hint, hint, oh. if anybody is listening. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, you need those airlines on board <laughs> to sponsor. Yeah. So, Kate, what's next? What? Okay, you just came back. So, do, how far in advance do you decide what you're going to do next, or how far? How does that work? How does it? How does it hit you? Yeah, not not far in advance at all. Um, I am quite fluid and flexible in what I do. So, right now, I'm back in New Zealand um, because I do try to go away every winter. Um, it's I don't have a home base. And so uh, when I'm in New Zealand, it's 
it's a bit tricky. Uh, I could get a six-month rental lease to, for somewhere to stay. Or what I'm doing at the moment is I'm full-time pet-sitting, house and pet-sitting. So I, um, yeah, so I'm moving around to different places, looking after people's pets, uh, which is quite busy at the moment because the world is beginning to travel again. So people are starting to get away and especially at this time of year um, for Christmas and things. So so I plan to do this through till next winter and then um, I probably go away again, but I won't decide where I will go until early next year, maybe maybe March or April next year. So yeah. no idea. Yeah. You will see something, something will trigger it maybe if you see. Yeah. I mean, my, my, easiest situations are kind of are Southeast Asia or Central America. Like that's uh, kind of, it's the climates that I like. There's still places for me to see in those um, areas. I do like to try and speak Spanish. <laughs> so that's why Central America has the pull for me. Um, yeah, but then there's like, I haven't been back to Valencia in Spain and that I'd love to go back to. And um, But it's whether or not I would go back there for that amount of time and what else I would do. So yeah, so something will come to me um, in March or April next year. And I usually fly out in May sometime. Another thing that I picked up now while you while we're talking, you mentioned pet sitting, house sitting. That is yeah. also for people for somebody who likes pets and who it's it, it's a thing. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I used to do it um, a few years back. I did it for a, a couple of years full time. Also, sometimes when I go overseas, I do it as well. And yeah, it's a, it's a great way to see different places. Um, sometimes, like right now, I'm looking. It's, I'm staying at a friend's house, looking after their cats, the two cats you can see on the wall behind me, not on the podcast. Um, yeah, and. And just see other areas of the country as well. So yeah, move around. Yeah, and, I, think yeah, I do people. love I do love animals. So and often when I stay in rental, if I have my own little place, I'm not allowed to have pets. So and obviously it's not really very convenient for me to have a pet if I'm traveling all the time. So. That's true. So it's the perfect opportunity to to have a spend some time with animals when you just want a little. It's like looking after someone else, somebody else's kids. <laughs> you can yeah, easier, much easier than children. <laughs> <laughs> totally totally um <laughs> one question that i wanted to ask you and then i somehow we got carried away how did this start i mean you okay you said as a kid you went to you were traveling from new zealand to australia but what made yeah. what turned you into this this yeah, need um, you i got the travel i know travel <laughs> i know that it's a disease and it will never leave yeah. me start and how did it start did it start with you going to London and being a tour guide was that the kickoff yeah probably I I did travel um other than Australia I went when I was at school I went on a school exchange to Japan for just for three weeks uh so that was a huge culture change for me coming from New Zealand um and I was only 14 or 15 years old at the time I stayed with host family but I, there was a group of us as well so um so that was probably my first glimpse of the world so differently because obviously Australia is very similar to New Zealand. So, uh, and then from there, yeah, finished school, did some study and then um, decided what a lot of New Zealanders and Australians do is to head over to Europe. So went to London. We, we just have a really good, um, what's the word, exchange with the, with England over visas. So for most people can get a two-year working holiday visa when they go to England. Um, my grandfather is Scottish, so I could get a little bit longer. So I uh, flew the nest with uh, a lot of other Kiwis and went over to London. Actually lived in Scotland when I first got over there. In St. Fantastic, fantastic. Yeah. yeah, and then I guess I, I joined the travel industry uh, after that Africa trip and, and eventually worked for a, a um, 
festival tour company that traveled around Europe as a tour guide and eventually the operations manager of that company as well. So yeah, definitely got the travel bug when I lived in London. Uh, and even though you know, and we all know that the travel industry and whoever is in the hospitality industry is underpaid, it, yeah. <laughs> nobody, it, we don't mind. We, I never did. It's just, uh, no. you know, it, it's a passion. Yeah, it is. And I think for a period of your life, like I, I definitely couldn't do what I used to do back then um, now, but in my 20s, absolutely. Like the, the festival tours we used to go on, amazing and such fun and um, no sleep and <laughs> meet oh, lots of people. So much to drink, no sleep. So whatever. much fun. Yeah. And uh, so that was a great experience. Um, and then I, when I came back to New Zealand after 10 years, I actually still worked in the travel industry, but more more corporate. So taking people away on their um, corporate sales trips. So people that had reached sales incentives in the company. Yeah. Incentives. Yeah. yeah. And so I took, did a couple of incentive trips to uh, Hawaii and to South Africa and um, learned very quickly that uh, drunk backpackers and drunk business people are actually very similar. Um <laughs> If not worse, the back of the business people. Yes, and, because uh, the, drunk, the drunk business people also feel entitled. Yeah, they have high expectations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and so um, from there, I moved in, I, I moved out of travel, but into a similar industry, working in conferences and events, um, but just locally in New Zealand. Yeah, and similar, very similar industry. <laughs> Long hours, no pay, you know, little pay, and uh, lots of good fun, but also had a time period. <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, this is what I, I don't know if you had a chance, but I just uploaded an, an, a podcast episode with a lady who was a corporate lawyer at uh, Swiss International Airlines and became a flight attendant because, as we say, you know, if you don't follow your dreams, they will die in your comfort zone. So um, yeah. I think you yeah. are a good example of not living in the comfort zone. Yeah. Life's once too you leave, it's it. not a nice place. You see, the comfort the comfort zone can be very ugly. Yeah. And I think like the pandemic almost got, got me back in the comfort zone, but that's why it was so important for me to get out traveling again and with my business too. And actually, I don't know if you know, but my business is called Out of Office. Like that's what it's about. And it's not just about me being out of office, but it's about helping other people to get more time out of office because um, we're in this culture now where people, if they work in corporate or even if they have their own business, uh, where people feel like they have to be so busy and what I call wear the busy badge, <laughs> like um, busy, 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 and and not get out, forget to enjoy life, like forget to take time and um, and have a lifestyle that works around your business rather than the other way around. <laughs> totally, and I think this is another one of the upsides of of the pandemic because you know I remember some of my friends, especially in Switzerland as well, who were you know fighting to have a day where they could work at home, and it wasn't allowed and it wasn't possible, and then suddenly everybody could work at home, and the world didn't stay didn't stop; it still yeah. continued to turn. And we learned a lot from it and, uh, you yes. know, uh, health-wise as well. Like, yeah, yeah, I know. It was great. At the time, when the pandemic started, I would call my, I called myself a virtual assistant and I it was belonged to a network of other virtual assistants here in New Zealand. And we, I remember when we had a Friday night Zoom drinks one time, um, just all kind of laughing in a sigh of relief that finally we didn't have to explain to people what a virtual assistant was. <laughs> Everyone could understand what we did because they needed us now. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So amazing. So time is flying when you're having fun. We're done with yeah. this podcast. Um, amazing. I very much enjoyed it. We're going to put everything and, and this website, your website is called Out of Office. 
yeah, NZ out of office. That's, yeah, so that's we're going to put all this on in the show notes. Get in touch with Kate McGregor. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for being on Most Memorable Journeys today. Thanks so much, Elizabeth. Lovely to talk with you. If you enjoy my podcast, please like, share and subscribe to my channel. You will find all the information in the show notes.